It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm on the coast of this wonderful podcast, and as I fight through a sore throat, I will do today's final season review. We have now reviewed 17 Pacer players with today's podcast. Check out all those past ones from Victor Oladipo to DeMontis Sabonis to TJ Warren to TJ McConnell. Check out all those podcasts on our Locked on Pacers feed on this feed listening to this podcast. But on today's podcast, I'm going to do the one, the only, Karis LeVert. Talk about his future with the Pacers, where he goes from here next season, his good and bad skills from this season. But to start off the podcast, as always, we do one word to describe the player's season. And I think the best way to describe Levert's 2020-2021 season is recuperate. Obviously, he recovered from a laceration on his kidney. We never really got any indication of what it like, what was cancerous or whatnot, what or whatever. But he ended up missing, I think, almost six weeks of the season. He got traded to the Pacers on uh, January 13th, I think. Uh, January, yeah, January 13th, 13th or 14th range, and he returned uh, March. 13. So eight weeks nearly was after the season, but I believe he had surgery. It took about six weeks to get back. Uh, with the Pacers, he had a pretty solid uh, 35 game for the team. He put up 20.7 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 4.9 assists. Uh, he shot 44% from the field, 32% from three, and 82% from the line. Obviously, the three-point shooting was not uh, was not ideal, I guess, for the overall season, but I think if you look at it, you kind of break him down by games. It took him, I would say, a good, let's call it 10, 15 games to really kind of get back in shape, get back in the flow. If you look at basically every game he played since the end of April to the end of the season in May, uh, he ended up shooting closer to 33%, and then you look at just his May games, it gets even better. Uh, His May shooting percentage from three and nine games was 40%, so he just progressively got better with the year from three-point range. I think some of that was just getting in conditioning shape. The other part of that was sort of meshing with the other players, figuring out where his spots are, things like that. He just got he got better. I mean, I, you know, it was kind of it was the kind of thing where like you have very low expectations for him coming into the season with the Pacers because he was this this mid-year trade. The team he was obviously like recovering from what we weren't sure it could have been like a major like life-threatening type injury, frankly. Um, and so, you know, he was going to take a little bit to adjust to just playing with these new players. Then it took a while for him to get back into shape and stuff. And really, by the end of the season, he looked really superb. I mean, he had he did take, take advantage of some really crappy teams. Like, he scored 35 against the Wizards. Um, he scored or 33 and 35 against the Wizards, who were one of the worst defensive teams in the league outside of the Pacers, frankly, in the year. Uh, he had another 36-point game against Brooklyn, his former team, where they got smoked. I mean, he had some games where he scored a lot of points and blow and games they got blown out in. But... His stat line still looked good, and it was encouraging. He was moving in the right direction for this next season, where I feel like going into the next year now, 
he's pretty much understands how to play with Sabonis, play with Malcolm, um, play with you know the core guys, play with Turner, not with Warren obviously, but we'll see how he adjusts. But even knows how to play with O'Shea, play to bring McConnell, uh, Sumner, Hollow. He's he's played with all these guys now, so he won't come in the next season just like. You know, it won't be fresh. Like it will be very like he'll have some chemistry built up, which will add and hopefully be useful heading into next season, where I think the Pacers have a legit chance to be a top six team if he plays the level he played uh, basically his last year in Brooklyn and this year. Right now, the big thing with Avert is games played. That's like the number one stat for me. Uh, in the last three years, he has not played more than forty-seven games in a season, uh, which is uh, concerning. He played forty-seven this year, forty-five the year before, and forty the year before that, and then seventy-one in his second season. So, can he stay healthy? Can he play a full? We're gonna talk eight games. Can he play seventy games in a season? That will be a real test for him to see. Um, and so, I mean, obviously the kidney thing seems to get past that. So now it's other injuries. Like I think he, I want to say he broke a leg or you know broke broke some kind of bone a couple years ago. Maybe even an ACL tear. He's had some few injuries in the past, but um, they should be getting good years at him. He's coming into the prime of his career. He's gonna be twenty-seven years old. So they're starting to get in that um, kind of prime Levert, and I think he'll blend well with some of the other players. Other stats I like from this year, you just go down them real quick. He managed to be uh, incredibly impressive uh, inside three feet when he can get in the lane. He shot 60, uh, for the Pacers at least in their 35 games, he shot 66% from inside three feet. Um, the thing about him, like any like most players now in this league, he's really become an inside and outside threat and doesn't really... Uh, mess with the mid-range game the same way, right? So you look at his shots taken about 60-something percent, give or take, or taking it from the three-point line or from inside three feet versus about, obviously, four from the other ranges. Um, basically, shooting-wise, his splits were really solid in almost every part of the floor except for the three-point line this year. Like I said, he, he got, honestly, progressively better. Uh, if you look at, like, his 2020 or 2019-20 season, I'm sorry, uh, he shot 36% from three, and that's where he probably has to be at for the Pacers. I think the the biggest thing with him with his stats-wise is, like, how many of his shots does he um, actually take this next season, right? So, so the past, uh, let's do the last two seasons he's played. He took 16 shots in Brooklyn last year and 17 in his Brooklyn-Indiana splits this year. Uh, I don't know if he's going to take that many shots again. Obviously, there's Warren returning, uh, and let's see who else they bring in, if they bring in somebody else to play the four besides Turner or whatever. There'll be just more shots for other guys, so I could see that coming back down. And so could he become more like a 13-shot guy but be super efficient? That would be pretty impressive. I think, you know, I think on 13 shots, he could still score 16 points. I think that's probably the sweet spot for him heading forward is somewhere between that, like, let's call it 14 to 18 range of points per game. I mean, obviously, you have some 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 flashes here or there, but like that's probably where he's got to be. I think he's going to have to be part of like, kind of a balanced attack for the Pacers next year. And so I think, I think he can, he can probably do it. The question on the other side for him is, is defensively, uh, his defensive rating was not too, too, uh, too great. It hasn't really been that great this season. I believe it ended up being like a, like a one twelve uh, compared to, I think the team ended up about one, I'm going to look it up real fast. He had a one twelve defensive rating, but where the team was average. So he, is kind of an average defender. Um, the Pacers need to be better defense next year, so he probably has to improve that rating slightly to be able to um, just be a little bit better defender. With but I think you know he'll be in situations where he kind of was the like best perimeter defender. I mean, or was kind of forced to guard the best perimeter defending players because they're basically playing like a combination of Justin Holiday or McDermott at that three spot, and neither of them are that. I mean, Holiday can kind of do it as well, and they they did let Holiday do it, but. Levert still is kind of forced into some bad spots where I think when you get kind of back into um, a normal lineup, Warren's probably going to guard other teams, 
you know, best small forward, whatever you want to call it. Maybe even if they find that four spot, that guy will like, go oh, shake. I probably did a little bit. And then Malcolm was number two defender, and you're probably going to Levert as number three defender, frankly. Um, now it depends, I guess, with Warren's foot, what happens there. But like Warren was, a, I thought, was a really good defender in his first year at the Pacers. Um, and so, if he, you know, hopefully he can slap back into that role. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Levert's, you know, numbers this year were were a little bit of like good stats, bad team numbers because the team was not very good, frankly, with him. But that was not just him; there's just a whole bunch of other factors. But I do think it shows some signs. Like I, I just don't expect him to be a twenty point a game guy, frankly, going forward. I think like if he's at fifteen, pitches are solid. I think if he's twenty points a game, you're probably looking at injuries unless he becomes your number one option. But I just, I don't know if he's like, you know, surefire number one. I think the biggest thing with Levert is. Uh, the expectation game with him, frankly, right? So you look at, like, right, he replaced Oladipo, who hasn't been good for the Pacers in, like, three years or two years. But Oladipo at his best, which is not as good as Levert, Levert at his best, but Oladipo couldn't stay healthy. So Levert, can Levert be, you know, 80% of Oladipo, but can he play 75 games consistently or 70 games like that? That will be the test for him. So we'll see what he can do um, next season. But I think the stats this year are an encouraging sign. I think, truly, you kind of, like, Look at this last season as sort of just a test run for him to kind of get acclimated, and hopefully he can kind of take off next year with efficiency-wise, not the per-game numbers, but just efficient-wise, maybe be a 35% plus three-point shooter and 45% plus from the field. It's probably good enough to make him, um, you know, we'll call it a top 100 player in, in, in the NBA, put those numbers next next season. All right, so now I want to talk about his good and bad skills this last season, kind of dive into the steps a little deeper and look at like what we liked and didn't like to buy him from his last year. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The baseball season is full swing, and we are almost to the NFL season, and BetOnline.ag is the best place to go for the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs. They have the four major sports for news, as well as UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or device and check out all the great news, sign-up bonuses, kind of information. Head over to the website today and you get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus on BetOnline.ag. I'm a big fan of their future bets. Go check out some of those. A lot of NFL future odds. You can do that. Over-unders, division winners, Super Bowl winners, all of that kind of stuff. BetOnline.ag is the best place to go to check out all those kind of bets, whether it's in-game or future, whatever it is. You can bet on BetOnline.ag, which is your online sports book experts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 
So if you dive into Levert just a little bit deeper and you kind of just look at like the things he did well and things he didn't do well last season, I think what he, what he did well was he helped carry the Pacers team offensively when they needed it. Right, I mean, I think you got to kind of wipe out his first, like I said, 10, 15 games. But if you really start looking at it like from April on, he ends up having, I think, he ends up playing 25 games, averaging 23 points. Right, he was a legit offensive player for this team. Now, I, I do think you have to caveat the NBA where I think points in general for players, like I think, I think like if you look at the league, let's say 15, 20 years ago, times every player's stats by points by one and a half. Right, and that's what the league is today. So, right, so if you divide his by two thirds, he ends up somewhere with like 16, 16 points. But still, he put up twenty three points, which isn't easy in a twenty five game stretch. He shot forty six percent from the field, which is pretty solid. He didn't shoot great from three, but this is what I think. It, what it shows is that he can carry the offensive burden at times. Now, the other problem in these twenty five games is they weren't that great. But I, I, I do, I don't think that was really much to him. I think he certainly tried to help them win. I mean, I think they were probably like about 500 in those 25 games. Now that I think about it, remember April was the high expectation where they would like win a ton of games and they just kind of were like middling. They probably went, I think like 12 and 13 or, you know, I think 11 and 14. I'm kind of doing quick math in these games, which is not terrible. Um, but what it does, like I said, what it shows is he can carry an, an, an offense when it's needed. And I think that's something that the Pacers, um, just you can never have too much of that, right? Warren is somebody who can do that at times. Sabonis can do that at times. That's three guys. Hopefully, you can find somebody you know off the bench who can at least put up good offensive numbers, like a, like a McDermott or a replacement for him. But you really can't have enough players who can just kind of score on their own, frankly. Um, because like look at the Pacers, like what two twenty eighteen nineteen when they had all those quarters they couldn't score twenty or more points because they basically Bowen was the offense and they had nobody else and you had Corey Joseph running around just trying to put up points and he couldn't do it and it was just like a slog. So they have a lot of skilled offensive players. The question will be is how do they blend, right? So Levert is a five assists per game guy. So he's not like somebody who doesn't pass the ball. Uh, he even, I believe, had a you know a two, I think he had two double assist games for the Pacers in the last uh, six games. It's three, I'm sorry, three in the last six games of the season. There's only ones he had 12 assists against Atlanta, uh, 10 against Cleveland, and 12 against the Lakers. Um, they won. They ended up winning two of those three games. So, you know, that's a good sign. He only passes. They do end up winning, it seems like, a little bit. But small sample size, super small sample size. But he can pass the ball, right? He's not just um, – like Warren is a little bit be- – it's not the, the best passer. I think what it also shows is Levert can um, – and I like to say more of his next year, frankly. We'll talk about this in the last segment. But he can sort of be a point guard-ish, right? He maybe is not like the perfect point guard, your ideal point guard. But he can he can at least sit, be in that spot, hand the ball – um, and get the offense flowing. And I think they'll be interesting to see, right? We saw kind of how he played with Sabonis, which is pretty good. We saw how he played with Brighton a little bit. Um, and they, they, they seem to play well off each other. I just think they needed more talent surrounding them at times, right? And I think that's where Warren Warren comes in. Warren will be like the best player. I mean, his return is is like, you can't underestimate how big it is considering how good he was uh, in his first season of the Pacers. And that Pacers team was really good. And they almost won, you know, if they played a full season 50 plus games that year, if, you know, that Warren, if for Warren's for sure, he's basically the best player on that team that, that, that season. So that should help. Uh, they tweak or tweak the edges a little bit and bring in uh, a real four or they play O'Shea more. That should help Levert uh, have more spread, spread out kind of play. So I, I think his passing is certainly, um, I think it actually probably slightly better than Oladipo's passing was. Oladipo was, um, he was an okay passer. I just think sometimes he was, so determined to score, he didn't always give up the ball. But Levert can be the same way. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, um, like Levert to me is kind of where Oladipo, somewhere between where Oladipo was that last year, or that, I guess, that last year in Orlando, 
in that first year in Indiana, right? He wasn't quite, isn't quite Oladipo first year level, but isn't quite as bad as, um, you know, Oladipo was last year in Oklahoma City, somewhere in the middle, and that's and that's fine. I mean, that, that's a good basketball player, and so if Levert is the second or third offensive option, you're fine. But, uh, you know, I do think we saw that he can play off the bonus pretty well. He can pass the ball at times when he needs to. And he can, he can at times, just carry the offense. He'll take 20 shots. You know, he took 30 shots in the game. Maybe that's too many. But he'll take, you know, if there's nights where guys are hurt and he's got to step up, he can step up and score a bunch of points. Now we'll see if they have, you know, enough supporting cast even on a night with injuries to win. But, I, you know, you know, take, I think a good example is he take the Cleveland game against a really bad Cleveland team. Right? He had a really nice night. 20 points, 10 assists. Like he carried he carried the team offensively that night. He shot he shot two of four from three, eight of nineteen. He took a ton of shots. I mean, he took like thirty shots or twenty eight shots, but he took a good amount of shots. But he was able to kind of carry the team that game and be the best offensive player on the team. And so I mean that's and that's what he can do some nights. And that I'm you know I I, I haven't dove into that Cleveland game specifically like who actually I'm gonna go off my head right now who actually played didn't play. But like yeah, I, I assumed I was thinking. Uh, Brogdon didn't play on that game. The starting lineup was Levert, Sabonis, O'Shea, McDermott, Sumner. So, yeah, he carried the game, carried the offense. You know, Sabonis had 21 points and 20 rebounds. But, like, they played well off each other and were able to beat a bad team. And that's what you kind of want for the Pacers, I think, next season. It's just a team that can beat the bad teams. The Pacers were so good at that in the previous years where, like, they didn't lose to the Cleveland, to the Bulls, to the Magic, uh, to the Wizards, even who weren't that good. You know, the Wizards were okay this year, but the Pacers, like, in a normal year, would beat the Wizards three out of four games. Certainly lose once, but, you know, or they beat the Charlottes, who also was, like, you know, the Pacers would consistently beat every team that was eight seed down in the East, and that's how they were able to get 48 wins consistently on McMillan, and they just weren't that way last year, so it would be nice to see that return this year if they could just kind of beat up on the bad teams that pop wins, and then, you know, have a couple of nice games against the good teams to take them forward, and that's kind of the recipe for me for the Pacers to be, like, a decent team next season. And they will play a big role in that. I talked about next is his role next year, what I expect out of him, and why I'm excited to watch him next season. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you also by Built Bar. Built Bar is that wonderful protein bar we've been talking about forever on this podcast now, over a year. They make all these delicious flavors like coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies, creams, and German chocolate as well as a bunch of limited time flavors. They're awesome. Built Bars come in these uh, nine flavors per box. You get two of each, basically. So you get 18, boxes, 18 bars per box. Built Bar is fantastic. I love Built Bar. I've said it over and over again, but it is my favorite mid-afternoon meal snack. Uh, between meal snack, that means when I, you know, between the lunch and dinner, I need a little something. They're perfect. They're 180 calories. They're high in protein. Great for when I've worked out to help build up some of that that muscle. I love Built Bar, and you will love Built Bar too. If you go to built.com, I got a new website, built.com. You put code locked15. That's L O C K E D 15. You get 15% off your next order. Go to built.com, code locked15 for 15% off your next order. Built Bar is an amazing protein bar company. Try them today. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. 
Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So I've teased it a few times, what I expect from Levert next season. I would, I, I expect him to be probably in the, let's call it 14 points to 18 points per game, five rebounds, five assists. Now the question for me is, can he shoot 35% from three and 45% from the field? That will be the make or break for him this next season, whether it's efficient or not. You not expect him to take 17 shots per game. So if we look at the Pacers roster this last year, uh, the fickle per game be a little screwy because right, Verlin played 35, Bargain played 56, so and Sabonis played 62. But Malcolm took 17 and a half per game. Sabonis took 14.6 per game. Levert took 17 and a half per game, basically replacing Oladipo's 17 per game. Uh, and then it kind of it's diminishing there. McDermott 10, Miles 9. I mean, all things that I would expect, even if they're not there for a player of their quality to to basically slot into. So then, where do Warren shots come from, right? Because Warren's got, Warren took 15 shots per game two seasons ago. Uh, Brogdon took 14. Sabonis took 14. So I expect Brogdon to probably give up four or five shots to Sabonis or to, to Warren. I'm sorry. And I expect the same thing from Levert. And then you know you'll see margin from everybody else, a, a shot or two from every other player. Because I think Warren will probably be at 15 shots a game. As well, I think we'll see what we'll see is a similar stat line for both Warren and Levert. And it'll just be kind of like whose night is it, who's feeling it. And we'll see some staggering of those two, I would hope, in a way where Levert can kind of lead the bench unit at times because uh, he has some of those point guard skills. But I think they'll be fun to play off each other too. I think I think the three-headed monster of Levert, uh, Warren, Brogdon should be really nice. And then you have to add Sabonis in there to kind of be like the screen man or even at times to be the ball handler and spread those three out. Should be really good for this team. I think it should be like a really, really good offensive season for the Pacers. Uh, right Last year they were 14th in offensive rating at 112. Year before they were 19th. I mean, we haven't had a Pacers team. Oh, when's that time they've been top 10 in offensive rating? They were 11th at 2017-18. That was pretty good. That was the Victor Depot year. It's got to be back when they were like really good in 2013-14. Nope, they were first defense, 23rd in offense. Yeah, I don't think we've had a top... Okay, 2011-2012, the Pacers were 7th in offensive rating. I think the Pacers could have a top 10 offensive rating again this season. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. Now, defensively, that, that would be the struggles. That would be Levert's biggest issue is him and Warren, who I think was a good defender years ago, but, you know, with injuries and whatnot, how does that? How does he return? Does he, you know, have the same level of intensity, all that kind of stuff? Um, will be interesting, but that would be the struggle for them. But I think offensively, they could be a top 10 offense just because they have a lot of players who I think have ability to score a lot of points, and they can honestly be efficient if uh, if they have the right guys helming the offense, right? If, if you let the offense run through Brogdon 40% of the time, let's say 20% Sabonis, 15% Karras, 15% Warren, and then, I mean, that's with the starters, and then maybe uh, on the, you know, the bench you give... Like 10, you know, get some bench with the bench lineup is carrying it a little more. They have a chance to really, um, I think, be a, be a pretty good team this year offensively because those are four guys who can who can carry carry offenses in their own at times. Right? Neither of them, none of those four players, I think. I mean, I guess Warren kind of shown it can carry an offense and be like a winning team. Pitched for that way last year with Warren a little bit, but they're all really good players. Were like put them around the right you know system and you let them carry a little bit they can get you you know each one can have a different 20 point night this season a couple can get 25 or 30 points which could help you know carry the teams at, at nights when other guys are not are not feeling it and so it should be kind of exciting i think lavert fits in well with the rest of this team um and i think the starting lineup is gonna be good i mean i think they're just gonna have a lot of good starters they might not have any great you know 
you know, Sabonis will be borderline all-star probably again. Probably won't have any great all-stars, but they'll have a lot of good players in the starting lineup, but that's that's hard to come by, right? Five guys who are all would all be stars on other teams, it's hard to come by. Every team has a weak spot. It, Pacers are probably is that fifth spot, but if Turner is there, he's definitely a starter. If they find a guy, uh, you know, who can play four, hopefully that guy can kind of fit in. So I'm I, I'm excited for what the team can do next year. I think if I had to, like, guess right now, I would say Levert's finishes the season, like I said, 16 points, 5 and 5. 44% from the field and 36 from three. That would be my my guess for him. But we'll just have to see what happens next season. Um, so that's the it, that's it for our season, player season review. Uh, next week we'll have podcast previewing the draft and free agency. Um, I will be off on Monday's podcast. Tony will be doing that, but then we'll be together the rest of the week. Should be pretty exciting in the next two, three weeks. We head into the draft. Who the Pacers will take the 13th pick. Who they'll sign in free agency. Will McDermott be back? Will McConnell be back? Will somebody else be back? Will they trade somebody? We'll have to find out. It'll be, it could be a crazy couple of weeks for the Pacers. Could see a lot of moves, could see a lot of change, or just a lot of rumors like last year. But for whatever's going on, we'll be the place to give you all the Pacer content. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Pacers, me at FreeMadam5, my co-host Tony's at T East MBA. That is all for today's Locked on Pacers podcast. We will see you guys again next week. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.